we we normally have something funny to go right here at the top of the show. The only thing that's funny this week is how terrible Matt's audio sounds. We did our best. We fixed it up. And, well, that happened. This is Beers with Hallows. Threats, Beers, and Mouths of Beers. Welcome or welcome back to Beers with Talos. This is episode 27, recorded April 13th, 2018. Today we have a pretty good lineup. We're going to talk about the speakers for the Talos Threat Research Summit and announce some of their topics. We're also going to spend a good deal of time talking about Smart Installer because apparently some people haven't heard that you should disable that yet. Then we'll spend a lot of time talking about vulnerability discovery and, and how that actually works and get in depth. We might as well get this episode started. Start the way that we start every episode of Beers with Talos. We're going to go around the table. Everybody has something on their mind that they want to talk about, I am sure. And uh, I've done a random sort. Nigel, you are up first this week, sir. Mm, let me think now. Um, oh, yeah, I know. Beating Manchester City twice in the Champions <laughs> League. Just saying. Rocking, rocking your red yeah. today. Yeah, I noticed he's wearing yeah. Just rocking it. Yes, they were magnificent. We got Bournemouth tomorrow. That's not even a real so place. We'll carry on, Bournemouth. triumphant, of course. <laughs> we now have, um, well, we now have, uh, we have to play Roma in in the semifinals. Bournemouth. The Dragons. Dragons are from Wales, dude. Oh, okay. It just sounded like the, you know, the thing in the... Oh, what? right. Yeah, no, I think that's where they play the Quidditch, Craig, you know. That's one of your favorites, isn't it? Craig's trying to, he's trying to bet on a Quidditch team yeah. while watching soccer. It's fucking no, and, and knowing Craig's luck, he would win somehow. Right? <laughs> Probably. I'm going to bet on a Hufflepuff. Uh, Craig, you are up next, sir. I, I just want to, you know, ever since we invested in all this new gear, it's just worked out so flawlessly. You can clearly tell that we invested in professional quality equipment and not stuff that pops for no reason or makes hissing noises when Matt talks or, I don't know, does a weird little fast forward thing when Matt talks or or randomly cuts out. So I'm glad that we work for a company with solid equipment, solid gear, and good bandwidth, especially to Austin. <laughs> oh, I'm almost afraid to ask, but uh, Matt, it's your turn. Oh, dude. <laughs> cool. So we'll talk about what I think our first segment is what I did this weekend. But because of it, I spent a lot of time kind of keeping a close eye on uh, Twitter just to see what everybody else was experiencing. And I learned something. I follow a lot of like national security folks, obviously InfoSec folks, uh, some data analysis people. On Sunday, everybody super got excited about WrestleMania 34. Did you oh, notice? Yeah. What? Yeah, like, yeah. All of a sudden, everybody's talking about WrestleMania, and I'm like, I don't even know you people anymore. So, Every, uh, wow, were they I talking in code? That. I wow. didn't see that at all. Yeah, I saw the same thing. Like everybody was all pissed off because apparently, like, uh, oh, is this the kid? This is the kid who who won WrestleMania or something? Is that it? Yeah, yeah, got so, it. Yeah, uh, that's my thing. That's what I want to talk about. Right. That dude. So, um. There is a new youngest WE tag team champion of all time. His name is Nicholas. Well, so, so this dude, Braun Strowman, came out by himself to fight a tag, tag team match with two dudes named Cesaro and Sheamus. And that's their tag team theme. Then he runs out in the audience and grabs some supposedly rando 10-year-old out of the audience. He tags in for three seconds. 
I guess that qualifies. Then he tags back out, and then Braun goes in and stomps the crap out of these two dudes, and they win. <laughs> but there are shenanigans afoot. What? Because whoa, I whoa, found whoa, 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 whoa. Not in the WWE. There are, there are <laughs> There's WWE no shenanigans Because this kid is the son of WWE referee John Cone. <sighs> and so apparently the story is, is their fight last year at something, and like Braun fell off a ladder and landed on this referee, and so this is to make it to make it up to letting his kid be a WWE champion or something. But <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, and I'm now kind of in the WWE thing. Okay, I can shut my brain off for long enough to understand to, to appreciate right, the storyline. Right. Well, the, there was there was two there was two controversies. The second controversy was actually earlier is the, or the night before was the WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony and the last person to get inducted was bill goldberg so that that kind of dates like when i last watched wrestling which was when bill goldberg was at his height which was like i don't know oh one right 2000 and uh, uh so they inducted him to the hall of fame and uh, uh but he was speaking last and apparently it was running so long and ran so over that like everybody had to get up because they had like a 4 30 wake up in the morning for for wrestlemania the next day so like if if you do like uh there's shots of Bill Goldberg and and the crowd that's watching him and there's like five people in the crowd because everybody all the wrestlers had to get up and leave for like a four thirty wake up so it's like no one's there watching him and everybody's like oh my god can you believe everybody walked out of Goldberg's speech like uh no surprisingly Joel is our WWE expert yeah no, <laughs> I didn't want to be the one to point that out but yeah, yeah you know it like makes sense. that wasn't a hey I saw a thing on the internet that was like let me walk you through my childhood Look, yeah. we had absolutely nothing to do when we were stationed I was stationed in Hawaii at the time it was in the army and we had absolutely nothing else to do except watch wrestling on on friggin uh, uh, Thursday and Monday that's all we had to do all you can find to do in Hawaii is watch <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> really? Really? Because that's the when only thing. There, that's the only thing they play there, on Air like, Fox. Surfing has become like, Come on. it's not as exciting because you live there. It's yeah, because there's nothing else to do at the beach either. There's nothing to see at the beach. Nothing. No, nothing else at all to explore in the ocean. Joel, you are actually up, sir. Speaking of faraway places, you were on vacation. Is that... I went on vacation. I uh, I was far, far away. I actually missed the last podcast, and and I and you know you guys did a fantastic job. I just wanted to compliment you all. In fact, it was better without me. But uh, I went to a far away and mystical land, um, named Texas. Oh, sounds exotic. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> I flew into Houston, <laughs> and then from Houston. I drove over to the Antonio of San, and then I drove back a couple of days later. But no, we I went to uh, I went to Texas to watch my niece graduate from Air Force basic training, and uh, that was uh, super cool. And then while we were, it was less of a vacation than it was like a, a week long field trip with all of my kids. Like because all we did was like <laughs> go to museums, yeah, and like we went to the Johnson Space Flight Center and shit like that, and we got to go on like the space shuttle and the space shuttle oh, carrier cool. plane, and it was kind. Of, that part was kind of cool, but like it was basically like a week long field trip with three kids. Yeah, so <laughs> less cool, less, less cool. vacation, more like let's go to the Natural History Museum because whatever. So that's what we did. Uh, but hey, we we put out a ton of research this week and we got to get to some of it. Uh, we want to also talk a little bit about some of the speakers 
that we've announced for the Talos Threat Research Summit. Uh, but before we get to that, do we want to uh, actually let's do the let's talk about the speakers first, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Smart Installer. Craig. Well, so Joel, some speakers. Who are our speakers? Craig, you want to go first? Let me pull, pull that list buddy. up. Hold on. See, the podcast is just as smooth as ever. That's cool. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> taking a week off. It's great. I like how that wasn't in the notes, and you're just like, oh, let's talk about the speakers. It's in the notes. Dude, it's in the notes. Uh, all right, so speaking. <laughs> While Craig quickly pulls up the spreadsheet. Hey, hey, I've had this up the whole time. I don't know why he's giving me a hard uh -huh. time. So good old Talos friend, Lorraine Granger. Is Whoa. Whoa. You hey, stop right there. Back it up. Get your shit together. Shit. Is she going to kill me? Oh wow! Uh -oh. I will I think kill you. Just every time that you want to say her name, you should have Nigel you, pronounce it. You said the Lone Granger is coming to Talascon. Lorene, Green, Grenier. Uh huh. Grenier. Say it again. Grenier. 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 So Lorene Grenier is coming to keynote the Talos Research Defense Conference. Uh, Matthew Valites from Splunk is speaking. Aaron Woolen is speaking from Cisco. Mike Sheck who leads our CSER team, who basically defends Cisco against attackers, is also speaking. Ashley Minji is also speaking. She's one of our Talos speakers, as is Nick Bassini. And then we're going to have a special guest with Omar, Jared, and Matt talking about stuff and things. The one that stands out to me is uh, Sheck's talk, because having had the opportunity to, to work with CSER and see what they've set up, if you haven't played the game at a really high level, I think you'll learn a lot about kind of how Cisco approaches things and their approach to automation, how they secure a, a enterprise as big and huge as Cisco is. I know I've said it to you guys, at least in person, but I don't know if I've said it on this podcast. I would absolutely hate to manage, let alone the security, right, which is the, the topic we're talking about. I would absolutely hate to manage the network of Cisco, just because it's it's a network of networking devices and everyone on it thinks that they're a better networking person than the other. <laughs> so uh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see Ashley's talk as well. Ashley's a new transplant over to outreach. So it'll be interesting to see. She did a uh, class in uh, Panama this year that was very well received. So I'm interested to see how she translates some of that into an hour long session. Omar Santos and Jared Pendleton and myself will be talking about infrastructure security, which is, I swear, we submitted before last, last week happened. <laughs> which we'll get to in just a second. Uh, Matt, did you want to talk about Smart Installer? I think that you wanted to talk about Smart Installer. You mentioned hey, this Matt, maybe you once before. Can more about we, we, Smart Installer? I thought we had that on a list of things to cut because we had so many other things to talk about. <laughs> That's not important at I think all. First, you just need to insert here a clip from the last show. Hello, dear listeners. Um, hey, remember that thing I said earlier this episode about how like there's kind of a battle going on for control of perimeter devices? I want you to think about your network and what the most perimeter of your perimeter devices is. And I'll point out that according to Shodan, there's 169,133 Cisco devices on the internet right now with Cisco Smart Install enabled. Go shut the f thing off. Thank you. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> you know what you need to do is include uh, include the pictures from Nick's slide deck that he made for this because he's basically <laughs> quoting... Matt's tweets are getting more and more at throughout the last couple of days. 
The super frustrating thing about this is that we had PSART initially put a notification about these protocol misuse on Smart Installer way back in November or two years ago. And um, so in part of our, our postmortem on this is like, how do we get how do we get this out there? And I'm like, I don't know how to yell any louder when we have a problem that we truly believe is serious. And, you know, there was. Nobody disagreed inside of Cisco um, from the, you know, from well before last Friday that this was an issue and just trying to get this out uh, in front of people uh, and forward. So we'll be working on that. But the, the new news on Smart Install Front um, is that last Friday there was an actor who attacked switches, so layer three, three switches uh, in Iran Russia, and I don't know how reported this is, but also uh, in China. And the the actor essentially used a smart install to force it to grab a new running config, uh, which was a, in most of these areas, but not all of them, in most of these areas, uh, just an ASCII art of an American flag, uh, an email address, and basically, in particularly in Russia and Iran, um, a statement about not interfering with U.S. elections. So I woke up Saturday morning and kind of like grabbed my iPad, opened it up and went into Spark to see what was going on. I had been added to a Spark channel with like a vice president, two directors and a fellow, I think. And I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> my weekend's over with. I, it was immediately obvious nothing good was going to happen. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I mean, so that was the primary thing on Friday. And the, the concern immediately uh, was... Um, what this would trigger and whether it would be retribution or if the actor would do anything else as well. What we have seen, you know, we've seen, I guess, four different kinds of actions by these actors. And, and, I, and I believe it's multiple actors, given the, the, the advantages of this particular security problem, I can't imagine that there's an active... Um, state-based security service that isn't engaged in using this. It's, it just it gets you a lot. Um, but so we've seen a long campaign, particularly targeting Japan, um, going after, basically doing intelligence gathering on the switches. So they were leveraging Cisco Smart Install to run multiple show commands to kind of describe the inside of the network and also being able to configure out. Um, we saw this destructive thing talked about with the American flag. Um, we've also seen um, actors um, just using Cisco Smart Install to disable Cisco Smart Install, uh, which has kind of popped up in the last four or five days. So, like a, you know, you know that unsolicited network engineering effort <laughs> is never, you know, really comfortable. <laughs> we've seen that, and then we've also seen um, high-end actors using this to basically reconfigure routers to redirect certain kinds of traffic. Um, and man in the middle certain kinds of traffic by be building tunnels and redirecting stuff out of access lists. So it's the real deal. Um, and and uh, what is what is gratifying is we I think we were at around one hundred and seventy thousand uh, vulnerable servers, and I think we're down around sixty five thousand right now. So there's been a dramatic drop. My my advice to 
to enterprises would certainly be to, as you mitigate this by going through and, and following the, the advice from Cisco, uh, to put up, put an ACL in for, for that, for the appropriate port to block it and then go about your business. Cause it's literally right now we're in the midst of it still. So I think another thing that's important to realize is a vast majority of people thought the exploitation was due to the new CVE. This is literally what I was about to say is Matt, can you tell us which CVE we should be watching out for? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's, it's, it's problematic because I mean, the protocol is designed to do this. Uh, so, and it's, and it's abusive protocol. And, but two, what was it, a week ago or two weeks ago, there was a, a CVE 2018-0171, I think it is. Um, and that, and that is a remote code execution in a protocol that essentially gives you everything you want on the router. Um, and so we had, we had some discussions prior to this event basically being like, well, I don't, people were very fired up about this thing and they've got a lot of press and I'm like, I don't understand this. It is literally like finding a vulnerability in a vulnerability. Like we know this protocol has issues and anything you would want to do on the router, you can do with it. You can literally anything you'd want to do on the router. You can do, you can find a way to leverage this protocol to help you get there. And, and I'm like, it's like finding an RCE in an RCE. I don't, I don't understand. So unfortunately that caused a lot of confusion and there were, there were customers were like, well, I see this attack that happened in Russia and, and Iran. So I'm going to go and upgrade my riches to cover the new CVE. And unfortunately the, the answer here is to disable smart install on, on your switches, unless you're using it. And if you're using it, install an appropriate ACL. Uh, to protect your switches so well and more importantly make sure you're running a version where if you do disable it that configuration option is saved yeah so so pcer released a new kind of like this is everything we know about smart install here's all the vulnerabilities here's the protocol misuse here's the guidance here's the pieces you need to go through and so we'll we'll put that link into the show notes but yeah there's a couple of problematic um versions of 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 code out there um that we've run into one you can't disable the smart install, so we have to upgrade and then do the, the disable. Another um, survive reboot, so when you reboot, it comes back on. Um, so there's already been announcements about that, and they're already out. So there's there's a couple of different kind of tricky pieces to this. So the main thing is trust but verify. So go through and and, and do what you what you need to do to to shield yourself, and then scan for that for that port to make sure that it's not accessible from someplace that you don't that you don't want it to be able from. Uh, that that'll cover all your contingencies. We wanted to go a little bit broader on this because I mean this describes something that has always been a an issue in security. You know, it's something that's simple and something that's easy versus something that's secure. And there's always been this. It, it's always been put as a dichotomy. Is that actually a choice that you have to make. And, you know, if so, I mean, is this something that we're looking at here? Like people are using smart install because it's an easy way to deploy and manage a network, you know, a, a slew of devices. Um, and you know, that inherently would make something less secure. Anytime something becomes more convenient, is that, is that the case here? So like the latest version of the switching software, um, actually, if you boot up the, the switch and then configure the switch, manually or in some process other than smart install, uh, it will disable smart install uh, itself. So, so I think there's just, um, there was, you know, just security particulars about this that, that, that were missed. And 
and there's the latest versions are corrected to address those issues so there they would be less problematic going forward but i will tell you um, since i've reviewed tat cases like 24 7 for the last five days um It'll be a hundred years before everybody upgrades to the newest versions of switching software. There is some old, old, old iOS running around out there. So, you know, just make sure that you're, you're scanning, uh, make sure that whatever your patch management and your, your vulnerability assessment stuff includes this. So if it's going to be a problem, it's going to be the kind of thing that can bite you in the ass. Nigel, what's your, uh, what's Mm. your input on Mm. any of that? On keeping your switches up to date, that's pretty, you know, a reasonable idea, I would think. You know, just saying. <laughs> Patching is good then. Well, I mean, it's been on top of things, right? So, you know, what what's the, you got to think, well, what could be the reason for switches running very old versions of iOS? Right? What, what What's the problems there? All right, so you've got, maybe it's you don't have the staff Right to do this, maybe you don't anymore. Maybe at some t- one point you had consultants come in and set things up and then walk away, and then nobody ever pays attention any longer. Right? Because not everybody who actually runs infrastructure is actually an expert. Um, the same thing with security, right? The you know, yeah, what? we we run this stuff, but uh, you know. Yeah, we we had the guys come in and give us a list of things, and this is our compliance, and we shows that we're compliant, so you know we're good now, right? And then they leave it alone. You know, it's, it happens everywhere, and uh, I think one of the things that everybody forgets when you're actually in this industry, especially the security industry, is that not everybody's an expert. Not everybody knows that they need to do these things. There's a, and 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 I think it's getting worse because we're in a society where um, you know, you can spend your entire life working on products to make people's lives easier, right? And and it doesn't help when, you know, people then don't realize that you have to maintain things. It's not about just setting things up and, and being able to forget it, right? It's about setting things up and then now how do I maintain that? How do I uh, keep it up to date? How do I upgrade it even in the future? Right, because I bet there's, there's the amount of switches that you can't even upgrade to the latest iOS because the hardware's too old. Right. I'm like, well, this isn't like you know Chrome. You can't just bounce the bounce a switch or a router every you know every second Tuesday at midnight because you have an update for it. It's everything stops when it stops. So it's 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 ch- you know change windows for this stuff is extremely challenging. And it is it is quite awesome that, you know, we have something like this come up just before RSA. I'm, I'm sure nobody is going to have uh, any questions for us, you know, at, at any of your sessions. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's trade-offs with all this stuff, right? I mean, yes, you can't just patch um, a running system and then, and then reboot it, right? You can't, if you've only got one. If you don't have something in failover, then, you know, so you can upgrade one and then, you know, while you're rebooting, kick everything over to the other one because that stuff gets expensive, right? When you're talking about call a million dollars for a switch and you need two of them, I mean, you know, that's substantial for a lot of places, isn't it? 
And people except, just don't want to spend that kind of money. going to be used all the time. Right? right. I mean, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're looking at these things and you're saying, well, you know, why do we need a second one? Well, we need failover in case that one goes away. You're telling me that something this expensive is going to fall over and we won't run and blah, blah, blah. Well, no. Uh, okay, then we don't need a second you're one. You're planning just in case. Uh, right. Right. You know, so th- there's lots of issues that people run into all the time in these things. And you know, expense is the biggest thing. I reckon. I mean, you know, we, we, we spend a lot of time on our network to make sure that everything is, is redundant and we're moving stuff around. And, and, you know, and we're trying to keep things updated and keep up with the uh, latest and greatest firmware and, and the hardware and all that stuff. You know, and it's not it's not trivial, these kind of things, especially when you're talking about multiple locations and, you know, you've got to get them all up to date and, uh, you know, all up to snuff. And then you've got all the other systems that you need to keep updated. It's, uh, it's a pretty intensive a job continually monitoring and maintaining and stuff. Just got a note from one of my analysts who, so we're in, this is real time watching what's going on in the world. Um, a post on a uh, dark web forum and the title is looking for Cisco specialist posted today. I am looking for a specialist that can work on Cisco architecture and fully understand how it works, including remote access and backdooring iOS. So everybody's looking for one of those, like looking for someone to hack Hotmail profile. Like, (laughs) wow. So I mean, you know, that's that they they should actually put that for Cisco Learning Network. I mean, like your Cisco certifications pay off in ways you never knew possible. (laughs) (laughs) You too could be solicited to hack other machines on the dark web. Maybe we could add that as a training for the uh, upcoming Threat Summit. There you go. Nigel, while you're in hmm. uh, chatty mode, we had uh, a whole bunch of Vaughns this week, didn't we? Last we had a few, early. yes. Yeah, we had quite a, a bumper week this week. And what I wanted, before you know, we run into this, but we, we actually released um, four different sets of vulnerabilities this week, or at least the information anyway, and, and on top of two that we released last week. Um, but I just want to make sure that people like kind of understand how these things happen, and it's not that the guys were going all out nuts and and you know working on all these things at the same time to get them all released all at once right before I say that's just not how it works, right? These things, no. some of these have been going on for <laughs> for quite a long time and, and and almost you know twelve months before they actually get right. the information Ooh. gets released to the public. Um, hey, hey, real quick, Nigel, buddy, your team did five, not four. Well, all right, five then. <laughs> okay, on yeah. top of two last each week, with a large whatever. number of vulnerabilities. Yes, they did. I mean, it's 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 like um, you know they're the working on these things, uh, and and for a lot of this, their work is over and done with while all of the negotiation with the vendor happens, right? So they've done their part. They've found a vulnerability. They've written up all the details and then we've sent it to a vendor and then it starts, right? When can you release this? When's your patch going to be ready? Hey, we've got this patch. Can you test it for us? Well, that didn't work. All right, well, let's go back to the drawing board. How are we looking now? And this goes on and on, right? And it can go on for quite some time. And some of these vulnerabilities... Yeah, and let's, let's get some color to that, right? Said, so I was talking to Regina, who's kind of our PM. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I asked her, like, how often do we have a patch come in and then when we test it, we find an issue that got missed or that needs to be addressed. Right. Uh, I think she told me about 30% of the time they miss an issue, which I thought was just unbelievably high. Wow. Well, some of these things can be very complex, right? And the, and the other thing that, you, that folks forget is if you patch an issue, um, 
you have the potential to introduce another issue when you do it, right? That that potential exists. So it's not as easy as, okay, I'll patch this and then just test, right? And then, okay, I'm fine on this particular thing now. You actually have to, if you're the vendor, you're, you're going to patch and then you're going to test and put it through a full QA cycle to make sure that nothing else is broken now because of what you've just done. Right? It's not as simple as, hey, you know, say one line fix right over here. Okay, good to go and nothing else is broken. Right? It, it, you have to make sure and test all of those things. Um, and, and, you know, yes, some p- patches kind of only half work or they, they just don't work right? because they, something else is wrong. Right? So it's a, it's a back and forth game constantly. Uh, with a lot of these things. I know this this week, you know, for example, we, we released um, a whole bunch of vulnerabilities for uh, the Moxa routers. They're for industrial systems uh, routers. Uh, and last week, we, we released vulnerabilities against uh, Moxa Wi-Fi access points. You know, same, same thing. Yes, it's the same company. Um, why are they a week apart? Well, because the company just happened to have its release cycle such that they were releasing the patches a week apart. And so we released the vulnerability information at the same time, right? It's not that they didn't have them at the same time, right? Yeah, I think one more thing to make clear is that we're not trying to make this difficult. You know, we have a 90-day goal for all these things to be patched. Right. Obviously, no one meets that all the time. Right. And so we're more than willing to work with vendors to try and make sure that the issue gets patched. I mean, the last thing we would ever want to do is be forced to disclose a zero day. Right. And I think the only time when we've done that was when the vendor basically said they're no longer supporting the software. Right. Right. Just, just so people could be aware of it and not use it. That 90 days didn't just get picked arbitrarily either. Like that was based on findings and working with the industry. That's a standard. I think that we carried over from Google as well. Google gives you 90 days. But Google's very adamant about like if you don't meet ninety days, they'll just drop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we didn't we didn't want that model because it's you know, we, we live in a glass house, right? Like Cisco right. has security issues. We want to make sure that we're flexible with people who need extra time to patch. We right. understand things can get complicated. And I think if you look at the timelines of the really complex bugs we have, you know, ones in things like medical devices or IoT devices. We're very accommodating as long as the vendor communicates and makes progress. Well, and I, I want to touch on that glass house thing in a second, Craig. Well, I'm sorry, Matt, go ahead. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's important to understand that, that um, we understand that, like, sometimes just the way things are, I'm sure, you know, Cisco can't turn around and all that drop 90 days, um, given whatever the, the issue is. We're, that 90 days is not there to be like, you have 90 days to fix it. It's like you have nine days to get your shit together and like act like a reasonable human and work with us so that we can ensure that the issue that we provide is addressed for, for your customers and our customers. Correct. It's, we're not using that as a, you have, that's, that counter doesn't start like you got 90 days of a drop. Right. Very I mean, you have to give some, whenever you do anything, anything like this, you know, it's just kind of like if you have a project, you want to say, all right, I want to get this project done in four weeks or I want to get it done in eight weeks. Right, so you you have something to work around. Then you can go backwards and forwards and say, well, we can't make it in that amount of time. Or, hey, I I don't need ninety days. I only need thirty because we'll put it out in the very next release, which is due up in in thirty days, and we can you know get it in there and release it. Right, and we've had some 
um, some stuff which has, has taken absolutely no time whatsoever. You know, we've said, hey, it'll, you know, 90 days or whatever, and they've <laughs> hey, come back and said, oh. not that nice either, right? We'll, we'll release it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, when these open source finish, whip these patches up the next day. Right. Man, it catches us completely off guard. Right. So when they say, having oh, like skip lunch we saw one yeah. happen the same day. It's fixed in GitHub. point in time, yeah. <laughs> Well, and we yeah, found, and the, yeah. the reason we went with 90 days is we found that it took, on average, across open source and commercial vendors, uh, we, mm-hmm. we looked at all of our data and saw that it took, oh, I, I can't remember, it was 72.3 or 72.8 days on average. Like he doesn't have the blog post in front of I him. Actually, right. I don't right now. Liar. No, well, I, had, yeah. I ran those <laughs> numbers. I remember it. what they were. <laughs> like, but there's, right. So we, we saw that it took like you know, 72, 73 days. To, to get a patch out to, to for us to be able to release that phone. So we said, you know, okay, everybody else is doing 90, 90 seems fair. Um, but how many, how often uh, do we get to, let me just ask it this way. How, how often have we dropped an O day on, on day 91? Um, I don't think ever. Ever, no. Maybe, no. I think we've dropped one O day in 2017 and that was the company who just said, we're not making the software anymore and we're not going to fix it. And we right. really don't have a choice at that point, yeah. Really don't have to. But Craig, you mentioned something about um, living in glass houses and, and, you know, Cisco and we have problems with our products from time to time, just like any other technology company does. Um, you know, like smart install. Go ahead and shut it off, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so not yeah, smart install. Quite sure what camp Matt is in on this smart install <laughs> issue. I think he's trying to cover it up, dude. He's. It's not yeah. like he's tweeting relentlessly, begging for attention. It's clearly to some have kind of save themselves from themselves. Yeah, some kind of anti-smart insp- install conspiracy, I think, and he's leading it. <laughs> Nobody I feel like he's attention. rubbing his own blood on his router, hoping it makes it somehow louder and faster so yeah, that people no can doubt. get his packets. Holy shit, Craig! Well, what the that heck? escalated quickly. <laughs> what happened there? Oh, oh my god. You guys never heard the thing on Futurama where he's like, we've got to go faster. Quick, rub the engine with cheetah blood. <laughs> uh, why no, are all no. Craig's t- uh, pop culture references out of cartoons? cartoons? Does anybody else catch up on this? <laughs> no, he occasionally watches other things on Netflix. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but I, I have seen chatter. I, I did I did see uh, a little bit of chatter. No, let's, let's be serious about this, though, real quick, because I, I, I hear people say stuff on Twitter. No, it's the same topic. Um, no, that's not I, what I the whistle sure means. It doesn't mean you change <laughs> topics. I just want to make sure that Mitch addresses it seriously because. <laughs> yeah, Mitch, take this shit seriously. You're joking about it. Get your shit together, Mitch. <laughs> I think people don't realize that there's never a secure device, right? There's never going to be a switch or a router or a piece of software that's 100% secure. And even if we think it's secure today, at some point in the future, they're going to find vulnerabilities in it and figure out a way to exploit it. Everything is going to have bugs. Every vendor's software is going to have bugs. And so we don't go through like our competitor's software looking for these to like embarrass them. We do it to help protect our users, right? And if people want to look at Cisco devices and find bugs and help us yeah. coordinate some disclosure, that's awesome, right? right? We work with vendors like that all the time. right? And so I just want everyone to realize that you know, it's, it's a game that every vendor plays. Yeah. You know, we're all in the same playing field. We're all playing the same sport. And at the end of the day, what we all want to do is basically get attacked less. And so the more of these issues we can find and disclose and get patched, the better. Well, yeah. I mean, when you have customers who are making inquiries and who are asking you, hey, um, what about this device or what about this software that I'm using? You know, do you guys know of any vulnerabilities in it? And we kind of say yes, no, or, you know, well, then can you you take a look at it for us? Well, sure, Mm -hmm. we can take a look and let you know if you like. 
So, you know, it's 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 not that we, we kind of run around, you know, spin the wheel of who should we pick on next, right? There's there's a method to this, <laughs> right? And and there are certain, because we don't want to waste our time, that kind of research is very expensive and it takes a long time, you know, and it takes a lot of effort. Um, and so, you know, we, we're very careful about the things that we look at, right? Because we don't want to waste our researchers' time and our time doing things that are just not useful. So, you know, it's... You you touched on um, you know it's not that we're attacking competitors or going mm-hmm. after people unfairly. I mean, if we were to start looking at Cisco products, we could look only at Cisco products. And as mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, there happens to be a whole different team that does just that. Um, right. So I mean, we don't we don't look at Cisco products because we don't need to. Right. There's a team who does that. They do it on all the products, all the software, because that's their function. Do they tell us what they find? Yes, they do. Because so that we can produce detection and we get that out, you know, you can go and take a look at whatever, you know, I don't know where, where we list it. Um, but we don't list those vulnerabilities on, on our website because we're not the ones who do it. You have to go and look at Cisco P-Cert right, on, on Cisco's website. And that's where you can see you know, information about all those vulnerabilities. And, and, you know, on ours, you'll see the ones that we've researched and, you know, where appropriate on, uh, you can look at the snort rules or ClamAV detection or whatever else to see, you know, how we uh, go about detecting those things. But, you know, we don't, like I said, we, it's, it's pointless for us to duplicate the work that PCERT does. And we, and we certainly couldn't duplicate their work by, by any means. You know, they're, they're experts in, in what they do with Cisco products, right? We couldn't duplicate that work at all. And it's important to note that the that the the team that does the security analysis for Cisco Cisco products, um, you know, is is ASIG. ASIG will be um, speaking. That's that's where that's the team Jared Pendleton comes from. That's the team that's going to be speaking with me at the the Talos conference coming up. And when one of my jobs is to deal with customers who are in crisis and uh, work with the incident response teams and help them get to the points inside of Talos that they need for like telemetry analysis, reverse engineering, like certain certain circumstances were brought in. When a when something comes in that involves a Cisco product or device, you know, we go right to that same same ASIG supports us, you know, anytime we have a customer who who has a special problem with with Cisco devices or software, that's where we go. And that's where all the expertise is. So it would be it wouldn't make any sense for us to like try to replicate that expertise to then do the the do the kind of threat hunting that we do or the vulnerability analysis that we do for other products. And it's it's very different analysis too, right? I mean, they can black box test stuff. They can look at the source code and mm-hmm. audit it. It's a whole different ballgame, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, I think one other thing to just to so you know, a lot of people probably aren't familiar with how Cisco works, right? You know. P certain ASIGs are completely different business units. Talos is its own, mm-hmm. you know, threat intelligence yep. group underneath the security business group, completely disconnected from the other ones. So while it may seem like we coordinate things from an external standpoint, which is great, we do a lot of our own research independently on different products. And so if things pop out at different times, you know, that's probably why is because that research was done independently. ASIG is, is, they are very quiet about what they do, um, and they, they don't talk very much about the kind of work they do. But um, they are very good at what they do. And when when Talos needs a, a third eye on its its own, an outside kind of opinion on its own security setup, you know, ASICs is where we go to say, "Hey guys, can you take a look at how we're doing our things? Can you help us uh, tell us if, if if you think from a third party we're doing the right stuff, and can you test what we're doing?" And they are very very good at what they. Do. 
too. They're a very impressive group of people. I think just one part of this that we haven't touched on yet, which um, I know that there's probably confusion about, which is Cisco Talos is actually a, a CNA. And for those of you that are not aware what CNA stands for, it's a CV numbering authority, right? So if you go to, you know, the, the, the MITRE website, you look up the list of CNA, we're listed under Talos down there. And so what happens, Nigel, maybe you want to touch on this a little bit better than I do, but at the beginning of the year, when we ask for, a block of CVEs, right? We mm-hmm. get, uh, we get a whole block of them at once, right? And yeah. those CVEs are dated, uh, with that date of when Correct. they were provided to us. Yeah, and we use right. those throughout the year, right? Yep. We do. It's a consecutive block that you get, right? And you know, they give, I forget how many gave us last time, maybe 100, 150 or something like that. Um, and you know, we burn through those and then, you know, ask for another block, um, of of those same things and then we assign those out too and and that's why you know sometimes you'll see oh hey there's there's a bunch of missing cve entries here why is Mm -hmm. that well it doesn't mean that there's you're missing vulnerabilities there's many reasons for it right it could be that yeah we've actually got more maybe in something completely different but it just so happens that they've been assigned those cve numbers and right now they're not public so you won't see them right so And, and to be clear Correct me if I'm wrong. Is mm-hmm. they're not made public? No. Until we provide Mitre a link on our yes. site to link to it, right? Correct. So they're, they're, correct. they still stay reserved, even yeah. though we've made it public. Yes, correct. They still stay reserved, and and sometimes you'll see that reserve thing be there for a few days because it takes uh, on the Mitre side um, a certain amount of time for them to update and run through uh, those yeah. vulnerabilities too, right? So. Um, if anybody's for anybody who's familiar with dealing with um, CV entries and, and pulling that data and getting through it and making sure that you've got what you've got, I mean the question will always arise: Hey, how come, you know, the, I don't see this information yet, but the CVE is listed on the vendor website, but I can't see what it's about. Right. Well, that's because right. it's just not caught up yet. I mean, Miter I think yeah, updates uh, once every twenty-four hours, but that doesn't mean that it will it will update all of the things and they won't necessarily be up to date in 24 hours. Sometimes it does take a, th- a few days for that to catch up. Uh, I mean, Miter's got 85, I think CNAs that they have to mm-hmm. manage. Right. And it's not trivial. You know, could you imagine managing 85 different inputs of all those vulnerabilities? Right. And well, it's not just that, <laughs> right? It's 85 CNAs. Those are the people who right. regularly report things to MITRE on, you know, and they have a block given. They're at MITRE are also collecting uh, information yeah. the other, and, the and assigning. Yeah. Independent researchers are contacting right. them and they're assigning uh, uh, CVs, right? So it's, it's a whole bunch of work that they do, I think, that uh, people just don't have a grasp of unless you start to, you know, unless you get into this game. Uh, and start dealing with them, and then you then you yep. get kind of an, an inkling, right? Well, we are we are starting to get close on time here, so I want to run back around the table uh, one more time and get everybody's closing thoughts and parting shots, and we'll do it in the same order uh, we did the opening round. So, Nigel, that puts you up mm-hmm. first. Um, yeah. So, like I said, we have Bournemouth tomorrow. That's Craig's favorite Quidditch team. Is that um, even a Anfield team? <laughs> so um, yes, they are, are coming to Anfield. Well, we'll be obviously victorious and glorious once again. Uh, it's a noon thirty kickoff in Eastern Time Zone, and that's obviously the only one that actually matters. Correct, Joel? 
correct. correct. And then is no time <laughs> the only other thing. That's incorrect. <laughs> the correct time zone, my friends. Uh-huh. <laughs> no time zones <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> and then the only other thing I guess on my mind at the moment um, is that I am the probably the luckiest person here at the moment because I'm the only one who doesn't have to go to RSA next week and suffer the indignity Ooh. of a marketing conference. Oh, you're going to miss the walk through the startup hall, though. I know. It's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. I'm already getting queasy just thinking about it. Craig, I'm going I'm to make bingo cards for us, by the way, for the startup hall. Okay. Blockchain like for as far as the eye can see. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, what's your closing My thought? My name's Eternal Romance. <laughs> no, do the right <laughs> Oh, Warren, what are you here for? Oh, a bit of blockchain. Somebody mentioned blockchain. <laughs> so I'm here. What do you want to know? All right, all right. Matt's so done with our shit at this point. <laughs> You're up, Craig. Just, uh, with so the, just with the Warren bit, I think he's done with the Warren bit. <laughs> it's the Beastie Boys of bits. <laughs> so uh, Talos is going to do a lot of things at RSA next week. Uh, we're hosting a breakfast. A lunch. If you're at RSA and you'd like to attend that, this won't be recorded in time. So sorry. <laughs> Actually, it will be recorded in time. But it won't be published, published in time. <laughs> and, Beautiful. And if you're not if you're not happy with that, you can ping Mitch Neff. No, I'm going to have to do uh, that. This. <laughs> at Cisco.com. <laughs> you can spell it out as many times you want. It's never making it into the podcast. But that's funny. Every time it's funny. <laughs> Matt, closing thought, parting <laughs> shot. Two things, real quick. One, Craig doesn't know the difference between Japan and Korea. That's the first thing everybody needs to know. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> that was Benny, a, he's lying. <laughs> that is what happened. Um, two, uh, if you were on security Twitter recently, um, there was, I'm not going to name the company, there was a company that involuntarily signed up for a surprise pen test. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. I screen cap the hell out of that for when it happens. <laughs> one of the one of the customer service agents uh, was there's they do a weird they do a weird sort of um, over the phone thing where you have to supply like two of the letters out of your password somehow. So some portion of your passwords unencrypted somewhere in their servers uh, is so the CSR uh, who's who or, or whoever's running their social their social media uh, was like someone said you know what if you're, you're thinking people have like parts of your password like well what if it doesn't happen because our security is amazingly good and apparently that's like <laughs> raw meat to security twitter because you know immediately and i'm not going to go through everything that showed up but there was plenty <laughs> we've all seen i mean this is it's literally the xkcd yeah, there's something wrong on the internet but it was yeah. like I mean, no it wasn't there's was not something on the internet it's something wrong on your piece of the internet ex- Twitter exploded. So there, I, I will admit, I laughed. I did laugh as I watched this. Um, and, and there was a little bit of backlash from from the quote-unquote adults in the room that were like, that wasn't a really the most mature way to handle this. And I was thinking about that. And, and I'm like, well, I mean, one, they did get some pretty good analysis. In that, that was, that was a, a high dollar value of analysis they got, yeah. <laughs> they got a free pen um, test, so. But two, Thank like you. there's a lot, a lot of opportunities for people to check shit marketing or to check marketing bullshit. And so when you say something out definitively, like our security is amazingly good, uh, you're, you're going to get checked. So, hmm. so the two takeaways would one, one don't make, don't make overly bold declarations on Twitter. And two, like just realize that it took, it took like a, a community. It was like 20 minutes, I think 
to to come up with a pretty good assessment of the front side of that website. And so, you know, there's always ways to hunt, and there's ways to hunt internally and externally. And I think it's always a value to look at the outside of your network the way your 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 adversaries would. And that's exactly what they did. And it's clear that 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 this company had not done that recently. You know, well, or alternatively. Their chief security officer just had his red team budget cut and was looking for <laughs> Let's some Let's talk shit on the internet and get some free pen test. <laughs> of course. Not a yes. terrible idea. The thing there is that if, if a customer calls you and, and tells you that there's his information and a whole bunch of other people's information is uh, readable on the internet and it really shouldn't be, then don't brush him off. Right, go and take a look. Well, nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna go put that weird URL in. Don't be rid- because, because if somebody's doing that and they're telling you that, there's a pretty good chance that they know what they're doing, right? And they're, they've actually so. explained the situation. So a, pay there's attention. A better chance you're gonna look like an idiot and an asshole for not taking it seriously when six months later, <laughs> correct, one point three million of your customer accounts are leaked. Joel, closing thought. Uh, ladies and gentlemen who listen to this podcast, I've been, uh, I've been catching some stuff. Joel Essler has been catching some crap on the internet for the past couple of weeks. And I just like to uh, take this opportunity to address it live on the podcast because. And rightfully well, so. Some of the people on this podcast are, uh, you know, uh, you know, good friends of mine. And I know they would never, you know, uh, disparage my my genius ideas of abolishing time offsets. So I just want to talk about. <laughs> Got it. Are we idea. getting a second pitch? Yeah. So <laughs> all of you haters. Stop <laughs> making offsets abolishment is, trying to happen. It's not going to happen. It's, it's, uh, I'm trying to make fetch a thing. All right. So. No, no. I, I would like to not only double down on my original idea, which is to get rid of time zone offsets, but I'd also like to lobby. I would also like to propose that we abolish 12-hour time and go to 24-hour clocks. Okay, I can get behind that one. That's fine. Because I don't mind doing that. And I also don't mind being in the middle of the Caribbean either. I think that's probably a good idea, Joel. I like it. You like that? <laughs> so 12-hour time in a.m. and p.m. and that whole thing, That's we're done. We're all done with that. I think we agree. 24-hour time is superior, and we're going to switch to that. So um, I'm just going to call up, uh, you know, whoever is in charge of that type of shit, and I'm going to let him know. <laughs> you know, if, if, if you don't know Trump, who to ask, right? you just ask Rob Joyce. So, He'll point you in the right direction. Yeah, he's in, tr- he's in charge of will time. Let's just go ahead and call this one wrapped up for the day. Pack it in there, guys. Thank you for sticking with us. We had, obviously, some technical difficulties this week in in recording with all of our brand-new equipment, and we'll get that ironed out next week. Remember, wherever you listen to Beers with Talos, leave us a comment. Leave us a rating and share with your friends. That kind of stuff always helps. So until next time, when we are back on the scene, crispy and clean, from myself and the rest of the crew, cheers. Cheers.